You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Valentine's Day comes up, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but when I was a kid, you were required to go out and buy those little cards, little Valentine's Day cards, and write a Valentine's to everybody in your class, and then you'd exchange them. And I would write them, and I'd be like, I don't even like you, happy Valentine's Day. You're kind of cool, but I would, you're not even my friend. Well, I kind of like you. I remember that we'd exchange these things, and uh, they had those, what are those, little sweetheart candies or whatever that would like say things, and sometimes I'd try to pick. It said, you're awesome, you know, you get that one. Find one that was like nothing to give to this person. And I don't even know what the deal is. There's so many knockoffs right now on those candies. You know, there's all these different brands now that I actually think the different brands, the knockoffs, like contain flavor. I think the original ones were like some form of concrete that were different colors, but I don't even remember there being a flavor. I guess that company actually went out of business, so you can't really get those this year, but supposedly they're bringing them back next year with some other company. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those little Valentine's Day candies that say things. I love you. I guess there's been, val- there's been like wedding or marriage proposals based on those candies where someone like strings out all these little candies and somehow comes up with a marriage proposal and everything. Love is an interesting thing because, you know, sometimes it's a feeling and sometimes it's a mystery. There's all sorts of songs that our culture writes about love. Uh, some are good, some are bad. I always kind of struggled as I was growing up with, you know, what, what is love anyway? Do I, I want to be loved? Do I need to be loved? Is it a, is it a feeling? Is it something that, that, I, that I need? I mean, but I remember, I'm not sure what it was, maybe like fifth grade or whatever was the first time I actually had a crush on somebody. And it was funny because I didn't even really know her, but she just showed up to school. She was new and I thought she was really cute. And I remember over the summer, I had this thing on like a bulletin board on my wall or whatever that said, Chris plus Julie. And a little heart around it and everything like that. That girl wouldn't give me the time of day. I mean, really, there was nothing between Chris plus Julie. But many years later, The girl came about my parents' car, and her name was Julie, and we've been married for over 30 years, so maybe that was a prophetic thing on my wall. Not that, God's like, not that, Julie, but I got a Julie coming. You just need to shape yourself up and learn how to be a more godly man at the right time. I'll send her your way. When Valentine's Day comes along, some people are really confused. Some people don't know what to do. You know, there are people that are single that wish they could be married. They think, if I was married, then I would be loved, and I wouldn't... I wouldn't ever feel unloved and my life would be perfect. Oh, wouldn't that be great? And there's people who are married that say uh, the love feeling went away a long time ago. Now we're like in a contractual relationship and uh, we agree on one thing. Uh, The one thing we agree on is we don't like each other, but uh, we're sticking together for the kids. And you know, maybe that's a good reason to stick together, but there's not love there. Sometimes there's not love there because of past hurts, because of things that have happened, because of unforgiveness, because of unmet expectations, because of wrong priorities, because of mistreatment. Uh, Sometimes the best thing you can do is get Christian counseling if there's no love in your relationship or if you find yourself unable to love or you find yourself in a relationship uh, where there's no love in the, the marriage anymore. But uh, love more than words. And we're going to look at that passage of Scripture we always hear in the weddings in 1 Corinthians 13. So 1 Corinthians 13, we, we hear this just about every wedding. We say to the wedding couple, you know, this is what love's about, and this is what you're wanting to get into for a marriage, and these are the things you want to remember when you're being married, and these are the things you want to do. You want to love, 
and show love, and love is a verb, love is an action, love is more than words. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And on the back of your bulletin is a page out of the New Believer's New Testament that we give away that has a whole page on how love surpasses all the spiritual gifts. And you can read that later if you want, or you can remember that page is in there when you are looking to share those Bibles with someone else. We hope that you will hand out those Bibles, plant those Bibles like seed so that they will uh, grow up into a great harvest of righteousness that people's lives would be changed. And uh, God's Word is a great way to do that. But if you look at this verse in context, in 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 14, it's talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about the church. And then it has a section about love. So I don't believe that Paul, you know, said we're talking about the church. Oh, by the way, you love birds. Valentine's Day is coming up, so let's talk about love. No, and then talk about spiritual gifts again. No, I believe that this passage is ultimately addressed to the church. That means that you and I are supposed to treat each other with love. That doesn't mean necessarily that we all have to hug on each other all the time, though there are some huggy churches, and if you want to hug, be a huggy church or whatever, that's fine. I fear telling people that I'm not a huggy person because then people want to hug me just to bug me. Uh, I was in a much larger church, and the senior pastor told every man in the church that Chris doesn't like hugs, and I could not get away from it. It's like, it'd be like, hug attacks. It's like, there he is, let's get him. I'd be like, oh no, stop touching me. But that's just me. Some people really like hugs. Um, However, weirdly enough, um, I've trained all of my dogs to give me hugs. So um, my dog... Uh, he wants a hug. So sometimes he'll be coming up, he'll be like, give me a hug. And he'll put his paws up there and he'll put, press his head and he'll close his eyes. He's a good hugger. My wife's a good hugger. So outside of that, I'm not really into hugs. But that's just one way to express love. There are so many other ways to express love. There are the things that you do for people, the way you try to please people, the way that you try to think about what they need and try to fulfill their need before they even ask because you love them, because you show love, you put them better than yourselves. And the Bible has a lot to say about love. But when we think about love in the church, we need to love on each other and be forgiving of each other because the church is a terrible place to be if all we do is criticize each other and remember everybody's past mistakes and to just think about, you know, what we were. Instead, we're thinking about what we're becoming in Christ, and there's forgiveness. I think actually what's happening right now in our culture is bizarre, that people are taking yearbook photos from 20 or 30 years ago and then using that against people. As far as I know, there is no yearbook photo of me anywhere that would cause trouble in my future life. But I was thinking, okay, well, that was a yearbook then, but what happens to all the people's social network postings or their Twitter posts or all this stuff in the future. I mean, if your kid, you know, posts something ridiculous or, you know, something that wasn't really appropriate now when he wants to become president 20 years from now, are they going to pull that out and say, hey, when Billy was in fifth grade, 
this is what he said, he no longer qualifies, and that's just ridiculous. Now, that's kind of what our culture does to try to, you know, push their agenda. But in the church, we shouldn't be remembering all of those past wrongs, all of those past hurts. People do things, and they are forgiven, and we move forward together. And it's a great thing when we, as a team, give everybody um, blessing and permission and love to move forward together. So love flows in the church. So 1 Corinthians 13 starts out with, if I could speak all the languages of earth and be and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And love is huge. God is about love. Love is what God has shown us. And as we walk through our lives, many times God shows his great love to us in the fact that he sent Christ to die for us, that we heard the gospel message, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he rose again by believing upon him, uh, by repenting of our sin, believing on, upon him, we could be saved. Um, then when we're saved, we're adopted as children of God, we're assured heaven, we're promised that the work that God has begun in us will be completed. Uh, we get this whole wonderful package deal, and it's all about God's love. God loves us so much, but love flows in the church. So Colossians three thirteen and 14, again, talks about the church and the, the universal church, the local church. Uh, sometimes in a small town, it's tough because everybody knows everybody's business from, you know, long ago and until now. And so there are some people that are like, oh man, I can't believe that guy goes to your church. I remember what he was like, you know, when he was like 20 and he goes to church. Now I can't believe it. That's crazy. Uh, people grow in Christ. And sometimes that's the greatest testimony is what you used to be and what you are now in Christ. You're actually, to tell your testimony, the best thing you can do is tell them what your life was like before you came to Christ, how you came to Christ, and what your life has been like since. But in Colossians 3, 13, it says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So to give allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. You know, there are some things that annoy us just because of our personal preferences. So sometimes we're annoyed by the way people dress. Sometimes we're annoyed by the way people smell which is kind of funny. Um, so there were hog farmers in another church I was in, and sometimes they'd forget to put on their church shoes and they'd come into the church building. I'd be like, man, you smell like the farm. And he'd be like, son, that's the smell of money. I'm like, well, leave the smell of money in your truck. But uh, anyway, and then there's other people that are trying to smell pretty, and I'm pretty sure they smell pretty to somebody, but I'm also pretty sure that you smelling pretty is giving me a headache. So could you smell less pretty so I could have less of a headache? So uh, one, of our, one of the large churches up the highway that I used to be part of actually had a fragrance-free section so that people could sit in an area where they weren't overwhelmed by people smelling lovely or pretty. 
but uh, preferences sometimes can annoy us. Sometimes people don't like you because you talk too fast. At least that's my problem. Uh, or sometimes people don't like you because you remind them of somebody else. Or sometimes people don't like you because of the way that you do things or don't do things or, or who knows. But um, we need to make allowance for each other's faults. The thing, two things that have really helped me over time is one, uh, remembering that we should always treat people better than they deserve because that's an act of love. So I had to go to Minneapolis the other day when it was really icy and all these cars were sliding into the ditch and everything. And I was wondering, and maybe you can answer this for me, a lot of the people that slide into the ditch, is it because they were being careless or they changed lanes too soon or whatever? Did they deserve to go into that ditch? Is that, is that a you reap what you sow, you're in the ditch, you should have put new tires on your car kind of thing? Or is it just a, you know, just a bad luck day and you got sucked into the ditch? The ditch was looking for somebody to claim and you're the one it got. And then there's other people that it's like, it's slippery. There's cars sliding all over and then you see someone go flying past you, zigzagging out of traffic. And it's probably not loving, but I'm like, I want you to go into the ditch. And when I go by, I'm going to laugh at you. And I'm going to say, you got what you deserve. That's probably not the right thing to do. But I would never do anything to push them into the ditch or anything like that. But um, loving is treating people better than they deserve. And the other thing that's really helped me over time is to remember that people are in, in the process of the Christian life. So there are some people who get saved. They receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they're baby Christians. And they don't realize that Christians, Mature Christians don't talk like that, or they don't dress like that, or they don't watch that, or they don't listen to that. You know, we have like this list of things that really do better the Christian life, but there's some people that just haven't gotten it yet, and uh, so they're coming along in their Christian life. So, you know, I try to overlook the little things, look at the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. Non-Christians, you can't even expect them to live the Christian life and to do the things that we would do because they don't have Christ in their life. So yeah, they do all these crazy things because they don't know any better because Christ isn't in their life. They're not changing. They haven't been transformed through the Holy Spirit. But we have love. And in the Bible, there is eros love. We always talk about this when we talk about love, which is love between uh, sexes, patriotic love of a person for his nation, the ambition of a person for power, wealth, or fame. Eros love is the base love of a man that arises from his own inner passion. Uh, there is affectionate love or sorge love, the kind of love that exists between a parent and child and between loyal citizens and a trustworthy ruler. Uh, storge love is, is not used in the New Testament, this says. There's an endearing love, phileo love, uh, the love of a husband and wife for each other, of a brother for a brother, of a friend for the dearest friend. It is the love that cherishes, that holds someone or something ever so dear to one's heart. And then there's agape love, the selfless and sacrificial love Agape love, and that's the love, the sacrificial love the New Testament talks about the most. That is the selfless agape love is the love of God, the very love possessed by God Himself. It is the love demonstrated in the cross of Christ. It is the love of God for the ungodly agape love. So when we look at what love will and what love won't do, first let's look at what love won't do. So one, love won't be jealous. So... Um, we're jealous when somebody has something better than us and we want it. We want, we're jealous when somebody gets uh, recognized for something uh, that we wanted recognition for. We're jealous when people have things uh, that we really wanted and we should have it, but we don't. Uh, this is more than selflessness, or this is more than selfishness. It is hoping for evil to happen to someone else. 
Like, I hope you go into the ditch. No, that would be terrible. But love won't be jealous. And love won't be envious. So God blesses people in different ways. Sometimes people have a different career. Some people are better in sports. Some people have better cars or houses or their kids achieve more or uh, their dogs always obey and don't do embarrassing things or, or whatever. And so other people can be jealous of that. And people all have different things in life. So I bet if you were to compare everything in your life, that there are some people around you, you're like, man, I wish I had that. Wish my dog did that. Wish I drove that. And they're looking at you going, wish you didn't have that car payment. Wish, you know, wish, wish I didn't drive this because it's the same as a house payment. Um, wish, wish I didn't spend so much time pursuing this career and I had a family like that. And so, but love won't be jealous. Number two, love won't brag and is not arrogant. So jealousy wants what somebody else has. Bragging is trying to make people want what we have. You know, it's like you trying to show off. You were seeking attention. You want somebody to compliment you on something. You tell people about all the stuff that you have or all the things that you accomplished. Or you post all these pictures on Facebook of, you know, your perfect life and your perfect vacation and perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, It's kind of bragging sometimes. And... Sometimes we're blessed. Uh, other times, uh, you have to judge your heart. You have to figure out uh, why is it that you're doing these things. So it's not bad to post pictures of yourself on vacation. So it is, actually, it is when you know that your friends at home are dying because it's 40 below and you are on a beach somewhere, so comfortable, laughing at everybody else. But love won't brag. Love is not arrogant. Love won't be rude. Being rude means that there's no care or concern for others. Rudeness is the need to hurt others so that self is lifted up. Love always sees others more important than themselves. The Greek word refers to actions that are improper. Also translated as love does not behave in an unseemly way. This means that love does not behave impolitely, discourteously, or crudely. Believers who use their gifts with love will be careful to act in a manner worthy of their calling before God. You know, sometimes people have a certain spiritual gift which is more prominent than another and they want to brag about that. Which is weird because it's like, wait a second, so the Holy Spirit used you, God used you in an amazing way to do this, and you're going to take credit for it and brag about it. That's not right. You should brag on God and say, look what God did through me. Isn't God awesome? Love won't be rude. Love won't be self-seeking. Self-seeking says, me first, me first. A tombstone reads, here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering wealth. Now where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. So love says, what can I do for others? It is not self-seeking. People who are self-seeking always want their own way. They are selfish, self-centered, wanting what they think is best for them. This is the opposite of love. Agape love looks out for others, seeks their best interest, willingly gives up its own for the sake of another. A self-seeking person may use his or her gifts but not without a serving attitude or a desire to build up the kingdom. Instead, the gifts are used only if they can somehow benefit the self-seeking person. This is not God's way. Instead, because of love, the believers use their gifts to benefit others first, without self or selfish desires getting in the way. So, and then love is secure in its position. So, Edward Lutzer, in uh, this article, or in this sermon he had, Learning to Love, he said he was preaching in the Midwest one day when a woman came to me with a little girl at her side. This woman showed by the cast on her arm and some scars on the side of her face that she had been in the hospital. She said, I was in the hospital because of a very serious fire. 
There were burns over two-thirds of my body. My husband walked into the hospital room, took one look at me, and said, you're not the woman I married, and he left her to marry someone younger and more beautiful. Human love says, as long as you stimulate me, as long as I can be proud of you, as long as you're beautiful, I can love you. If you change, my love for you changes. And that is not true love. Love won't be provoked, uh, aroused to sudden anger, outburst of emotion. Love doesn't get angry when somebody says something or does something that displeases us or keeps us from doing something our way. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. When we hear bad things about people, what's our first reaction? Do we think they deserve it or had it coming? Do we wish that bad things would happen? Would gossip fall in here? Love has no part in evil or sin. Love says, if not for God's grace, I could be in the same place. It keeps no record of wrong. But love will. Love will rejoice in truth. Love likes truth. It takes God's Word and promotes it and rejoices when it's listened to, when it's, when it's applied. It rejoices in God's Word. When people are not walking in the way of the Lord, we don't say, well, we, don't say, well, we love them anyway. Love is active. If we really believe the truth and the consequences of denying the truth, if we really love, we will want people to know the truth. Love doesn't compromise the truth, but proves the truth through love. So love is patient, <clears throat> long-tempered. Love's patience is the ability to be inconvenienced or taken advantage of by a person over and over again and yet not be upset or angry. It says in one Bible commentary. Love does not mind getting taken advantage of or seek revenge which is weird because, I mean, that goes against everything in our culture. I mean, if there's something happening abusive or something that's happening illegal or something that's happening bad, uh, you don't want to endure that. You want to make sure that that gets fixed and taken care of. But there are so many things that we can just let go for the sake of love because we care about that person. So love will be kind. Uh, Love's kindness doesn't keep score on who to be nice to and who not to be nice to. Love can be kind. Love will be hopeful and trustful. So we can always focus on the bad in people, but love sees the good in people and the good they can be. Love is not suspicious. Love is ever hopeful and trustful. When people fail, love never gives up. Love refuses to give up on anyone. So, and love, number three, love flows from God. God is the one who loves us first. We all know John 3.16, this is how God loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that who, everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Uh, John 10, 28, Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. So we are loved by God, shown through Jesus. We are secure in the Father's hand. He's not going to let us go. He's not going to drop us. When we've truly come into a relationship with Christ, we are eternally saved and adopted as a child of God, not to be unadopted when we make a mistake. John talks about love in 1 John 4, 7-9, and he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So there's... I have more verses on love. If you read for your devotions, we're to read Romans chapter 8. It talks about how much God loves us. It talks about how much God has forgiven us. It talks about how we are secure in our relationship with the Lord. And you can read that today, maybe in your devotions, Romans 8, 31 through probably 39. Um, 35 says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted, hungry, or destitute? And all these difficulties, God still loves us. Sometimes He lets us go through hard things. Romans 8.38 says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. So as we think about love, and we think about this passage on love, when we come to the end of it, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says this crazy thing. It says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Love is huge. Love is the thing that changes life. In all of eternity, we will still be talking about God's wonderful love that we didn't deserve, how God showed his love for us, and we should show that same love to others. So I have a video clip, and then the worship team is going to come up. And then after that, if you would like to be prayed for, we'll pray for you. So I'm going to show this now. Love is patient. Like not honking the horn when you're already 11 minutes late. Love is kind. It's doing all the chores so she can wake up to a clean house. It does not envy. Being truly joyful when your friend gets the promotion, even if you didn't. It does not boast. Love does not remind your kid of his 20-game losing streak. It is not proud. How about we apologize more often? It is not rude. And let's not value a like over someone's feelings. It is not selfish. Love shares that last cookie. It is not easily angered. It breathes when it wants to scream. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not bring up the past, even though right now it'll be really convenient and totally win me this argument. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't get excited when people get destroyed online. It always protects. Love always stands guard. Always trusts. Always leans into the promises. Always hopes. Always sees what's possible. Always perseveres. Always gets up one more time. Love never fails. And it's always worth it. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.